smile. Praise God. All right, let's get ready for the word of God this morning. Father, prepare our hearts to hear your word. Father, would you clear the table? Everything the enemy has placed upon our table that we've been partaking of, God, would you move it off our table? The things of this world, God, that so entertain us, so so give us an appetite for them, God, that only lead to death and destruction, would you move it out of our way? And God, would you give us a new hunger and a new thirst for righteousness? For your word says that if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we shall be filled. Now, faith come by the teaching of the word. Faith come by the hearing of the word this morning. I thank you that as we hear this word, that we are transformed by the power of God in the renewing of our minds. I thank you for a holy cleansing as the word comes about. Father, I thank you that faith increases. I thank you for everything that you're about to deposit into your, into your children. And may faith arise in this moment, Holy Spirit, as you hover here. May faith arise so that you might be welcomed into the hearts and minds of men, that you may rule and allow the authority and dominion of God to rest upon us through the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the anointing to prophesy, the anointing to teach, God, the anointing to preach. And I thank you for the anointing to be upon them to hear. May every ear open to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to his church. And may we be quick to obey it. Not only be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word as well. I thank you that condemnation is, plays no part in this message. But your Holy Spirit is welcome to convict us that we might put our feet on the narrow path that leads to everlasting life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, can you say amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. We have started a new series, and the series is called, or named rather, Exercising Authority. Can you say that with me? Exercising Authority. Last week, we talked about how God is Lord of all. He is the maker of both heaven and earth. And since he owns the earth, then he rules the earth as well. Since he owns and created men, then he he can rule and dominate them as well. We live in a time where the enemy is very bold in his stance, right? So we've got, we've got homosexuality in cartoons now, right? We've, the, the enemy is just bold in all the things that he's doing. So since the enemy is not hiding, we shouldn't be hiding either. Since the enemy is wielding his will upon men, then we, he, God needs a people in this earth that have the power of God within them so that they might begin to push back the kingdom of darkness and allow light to arise. Amen? We thank God for Matt and Ruby being back with us uh, from their trip. Can we give God praise for Matt and Ruby? Such a blessing to have you back today. So we talked about how amazing God is, how he's supreme, how he is Jehovah God of all, how he is Yahweh. And we understood that we must put God back into a proper place of authority if we're ever to understand and recognize how he wants us to operate in authority. So today's message is entitled, God with us. Can you say that, saints of God? God with us. So listen to this. This is where we're going. 
When God chooses to exercise his authority and dominion on earth through men, he authorizes the Holy Spirit to empower them for service. Church, can you say Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God which has been gifted to us by Jesus Christ that we might walk with the same authority and power in which he walked with when he was on earth. But first we must learn to be faithful and fearful followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. I gave a testimony about Jim Baker last week and I had a question come from the congregation. And they said this, how could he love Jesus if he wasn't obeying him? A refresher, or uh, for the first time, I'll share quickly what his testimony was. Jim Baker was a televangelist, multi-millionaire, and came to find out he was defrauding the people. He was having extramarital affairs, ended up going to prison. And this man, this pastor, wrote a book that kind of convicted him, and he invited the pastor to come in and speak with him. And when the pastor arrived, he said, Pastor, did you write this book? He said, yes, I wrote the book. And they sat down and began talking. And the pastor rather bluntly asked him a question and said, Jim, when did you stop loving Jesus? And he said, I never stopped loving Jesus. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? You're in prison. You, you committed adultery. You, you frauded people of money. You embezzled millions of dollars. And he said, listen, I'm telling you, I never stopped loving Jesus. He said, what happened to me was I stopped fearing God. I stopped fearing God. And the, the person that asked me this question, well, how, how can you love Jesus and not obey him? And the answer is you can't. You can't, because to, to love God is to obey Jesus' commands, right? So what happened is this. He didn't recognize, man, please, church, listen to this. He didn't recognize the fear of the Lord had left him, evidenced by no conviction that led to repentance. He thought he was loving Jesus, but his heart was far away from him. So how do we know that the fear of the Lord has left us? It's because when we say we love Jesus, but we still live in sin, and there's no conviction that turns us back to our holy God to say, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned against you. Because to say you love Jesus, please catch this, to say you love Jesus is just to say you love Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? To say you love Jesus is just to say you love Jesus. But the word of God says that if you love me, you will do what? Obey my commandments, right? But here's what Jim Baker said. He said the prison sentence was God's mercy on his life and not God's judgment. Because the fear of the Lord returned to him while he was in prison and reestablished that loving connection between him and Jesus. So Jim Baker said many millions of Americans are just like him. They love Jesus, but they don't fear God. So what does this mean? It means that Jesus, we love Jesus just for his benefits. Oh, I love Jesus because he's so good to me and he represents salvation and he represents mercy and he represents all these things. But we don't really love him unless we obey him. God is calling us as his ambassador. Say ambassador. God is calling us as his ambassadors, his disciples, his followers to be both faithful and fearful. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. 
verses 26 through 39. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 36 through 39. And it says this. Say this with me, church. Conviction, Conviction. not condemnation. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy of on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant, which made us holy, as if it were common and unholy, and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. For we know the one who said, I will take revenge. I will pay them back. He also said, the Lord will judge his own people. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember, you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. And sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were a better things waiting for you that will last forever. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings to you. Patient endurance is what you need now. Say this with me, church. Patient endurance is what I need now. Okay. So that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Now listen, God does not take salvation away from anyone. As long as you are faithful and you're believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and you're following his commandments and you're loving him, you retain your salvation because salvation comes by faith alone, right? By faith alone. Now, he says that there are those who turn away from God to their own destruction, but not us. Because we are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 wraps this portion of the message up by saying this. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Father, we come before you now asking you for a holy fear to be reestablished in your people. A fear not of you, but a fear, God, to respect the power and authority in which you sit. 
a fear to say, you know what, I am going to retain my salvation by continuing to faithfully follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. This is not a message of condemnation, but of conviction. For if we say that we are followers of Jesus Christ, but we continue in sin, then we make ourselves out to be liars. And Father, we do not want to be liars. So would you forgive us of our sins? Would you allow your Holy Spirit to wash us today with the blood of Jesus Christ? Would our faith in Jesus Christ put us in right standing with God? For righteousness comes by faith alone. And we receive your righteousness by believing in your son today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship of righteousness. Romans 14, 17 tells us this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness or righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, religion is not about the do's and don'ts. The, 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 the eat this, don't do this. The, the go there, don't go there. Religion, true religion is about righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ and being led by his Holy Spirit and having the power to do what is righteous, having the power to have peace and to have joy all through the Holy Spirit. Can we for a moment give a hand to the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God on earth with men right now. Jesus said, it is necessary that I go away because if I do not go away, I cannot send back the comforter. The comforter is the one who leads us and guides us into all truth. The comforter, the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers and enables men to do things for God. About eight years ago now, I got a knock on my door, and it was my father saying that he had been in prayer, and God told him to pass the church over to me and to Brooke. And when he told me that, I said, he did? He said, yeah, he did, and I don't think you're ready. Oh, wow, well, well thanks. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> but he had not yet seen what the Holy Spirit could do, right? So when my dad left the house... All right. So, see, 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 Damien is just a college dropout, right, who thought partying and all that was more important than going to class. So I'm a college dropout. I've been arrested for a DUI. I've committed multiple sins, a whole lot of them. Don't look at me because we can pull yours out, too. I've committed a lot of sins. There's a lot of things that would exclude me from standing here. There's a lot of things that would exclude me from being used by God. But when God chooses you and sets his seal upon you and fills you with his Holy Spirit, he empowers you to do the thing that he called you to do. So when my dad left, knowing all this, knowing that I had never been to Bible college or any of these things, I said, God, I don't know how to be a pastor and he said, I do. And that settled it right there. And two weeks later, two weeks after I had been given the church and my father sat back there uh, and, and, and listened to the Lord use me, he said, okay, God, you were right. And he had a conversation to affirm that God was right with me not long after. He said, Damien, I know you, boy. And that's not you up there. He said, that's not you. That's the Holy Spirit. Church, can you say Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to do the service in which God has called us to. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us and guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit is the one that God allows to enter into a man and allow him to dominate in this realm, the kingdom of God. Righteousness and peace and joy all through the power of the Holy Spirit. So last week we learned that Yahweh is the Lord of all. And since he made and has ownership of everything he created, he also has rule and authority over it all. When God chooses to exercise his authority and dominion on earth through men, he authorizes the Holy Spirit to empower them for service. I want you to hear this again. Let your faith, let your faith touch this statement. When God chooses to exercise his authority and dominion on earth through men, he authorizes the Holy Spirit to empower them for service. Praise God. Say this with me, church. Father, I thank you for authorizing the Holy Spirit to empower me on earth with your authority and your dominion for the service in which you have called me to. And listen to me, it's not just ministry. It's being a mom, it's being a dad, it's being a teacher, it's just being everywhere that we go, the Holy Spirit empowers us at the place called there on the day called today. I praise God for the Holy Spirit. Can we praise God one more time for the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, we give you praise this morning, and we thank you that your power is with men. We thank you that your assignment is upon us, and we can do nothing without you. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Let's go and explore some Old Testament history where we see the Holy Spirit come upon different servants of God that they might excel in an area so that God's dominion and authority can be established in that place. Let's go to Exodus chapter. First of all, you got to say this with me. Holy Spirit, I'm available for your use. All right, let's go to Exodus chapter 31. And we're going to see how the Holy Spirit came upon a man so that he could build a place for God to dwell within men. We're in Exodus chapter 31, verses 1 through 5. It says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I have specifically chosen. Come on, church. Say this with me. I am specifically chosen by God. Come on, y'all. That's why the Holy Spirit comes upon us and empowers us, because we have been specifically chosen for a purpose by God. Look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. Why is this? Because 
the Holy Spirit filled this man for a purpose. The Holy Spirit comes to fill us for a purpose. Let's look at another case. Let's go to Numbers now. Numbers chapter 11, verses 16 through 17. And we see that in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit came and empowered Moses to lead Israel. And not only Moses, but even 70 more. Let's look at the Holy Spirit moving in the Old Testament. You thought the Holy Spirit was just moving upon the waters of the face of the earth before the beginning. The Holy Spirit never stopped moving. And contrary to popular belief, the work of the Holy Spirit is not finished in this earth today yet. There is still prophecy. There are still apostles and evangelists and pastors and teachers. God is still healing and moving in this world by his Spirit because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And everywhere that he hovers, he is able to bring his power and the dominion and authority of God. We're in Numbers chapter 11, verses 16 through 17, and it says this, then the Lord said to Moses, we see uh, even in Exodus 31, the Lord said something, and then the spirit moved. Then the Lord said to Moses, gather before me 70 men who are recognized as elders and leaders of Israel, bring them to the tabernacle to stand there with you. I will come down and talk to you there. Church, can you say there? Listen to me, church. There's a place called there where the Holy Spirit wants to empower you for the work of his kingdom. But you've got to be there, not over there, but you've got to be right at the place called there where God desires you to be. I will come down and talk to you there. I will take some of the spirit, and it's capital S, so it's not Moses' spirit, not Moses' personality. I will take some of the capital S spirit, meaning the spirit of God, that is upon you, and I will put the spirit, capital S, upon them also. They will bear the burden of the people along with you, so you will not have to carry it alone. So we see the Holy, Test the, the, the Holy Spirit moving in the Old Testament, empowering Moses and these 70 men to bear the burden of millions of Israelites so that they might follow the will of God. Let's go on to Judges now. We're in Judges, and we're going to see how God empowered Gideon to defeat Israel's enemies. And while you're listening to these testimonies, what I want your soul and spirit to know is that God is not a respecter of persons. These people are dead now. Holy Spirit's still here. These people are dead. I'm just showing you how the Holy Spirit moved in the Old Testament, and then we'll move to the New Testament, and then we'll move to your testament, how God wants to use your life to display his glory in this world. So we see now in Judges chapter 6, verses 33 through 35, that he empowers Gideon. It says this, Soon afterward, the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east formed an alliance against Israel and crossed the Jordan, camping into the valley of Jezreel. How many of you at times in your life, you've been, you felt like you've been surrounded by different things from the enemy, surrounded by maybe sickness, surrounded by depression, surrounded by debt. So we see here that the enemies of Israel had surrounded and joined an alliance to come against them. Verse 34, then the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. Church, can you say power? 
I'm talking about the king of heaven. You know, see, Jesus was never soft. Can I tell you something about Jesus? He was never soft. Yes, they pulled out his beard, and yes, they spit on him, and yes, they punched him, and yes, he was quiet, and yes, they crucified him on the cross, but he was never soft. He laid down his life. He, do you know who they executed on that day? Do you know who they crucified on that day? Yes, he's the son of God. Yes, he's the lamb of God. But do you know who he is as well? He is the Lord of heaven's armies. He is the commander of angel armies. And yet he allowed them to do those things to him. And they would mock him saying, well, if you're this and that, then why don't you come down? Or when Peter tried to defend him with the sword, he said, put the sword away and heal the man's ears. He said, do you not know? This is, this is what a commander sounds like. Do you not know that I could ask of my father and he would send legions of angels right now? So Jesus was never weak. He just simply laid down his life for you and me so that we could be strong. He became weak so that we could be strong. And the same power that was alive in Jesus is the power that's available to us this morning. Going all the way back to Gideon. It says, then the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, say with power, church. With power, he blew a ram's horn as a call to arms, and the men of the clan of Abazir came to him. He also sent messengers through Manasseh, Asher, Zebulon, and Naphtali, summoning their warriors and all of them. And we know what happened here. He started with 30,000 men, and, and Gideon was pretty comfortable with the 30,000. But God said, you have too many. So this is what I'm here to tell you today, that you plus God equals too many already. That when God clothes you with power, that it's already unfair for anyone that's coming up against you. He sent all of them home except 300. He said, I'm going to give you the battle with only 300. Why? Because I have clothed you with power. You better testify today. Say this with me. Lord, I thank you for clothing me with power. If you only knew the power that was alive on the inside of you, it makes demons tremble. You should not be trembling. The demons should be trembling because they recognize the power that was in the man called Jesus of Nazareth is the same power that's in his followers right now. But we just don't get it sometimes. We just don't recognize it. And then what happens to us? My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. This is revelation that he's trying to give us today, that he closed men by his spirit with power. Just as Adam and Eve sinned and they were ashamed at their nakedness, he was not going, Jesus Christ was not going to leave his followers naked and afraid and ashamed. He said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit back to you. I'm going to send another comforter. And it's that comforter that is alive today that clothes us with Power. Someone say amen. amen. All right. So now we go to the New Testament and we see how he empowered John the Baptist to prepare the way of the Lord. We're going to Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 17. And it says this, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, where was he? 
in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. See, we need that kind of fear back of the Lord. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Church, I want to know something. I want to know, are we praying in such a way that if God heard our prayer, that we would be in expectation of it and we say, oh my, this is the answer to my prayer. Listen, prayers are not just suggestions to God. Prayers are you unifying your will to his will, saying, Lord, whatever your will is in this thing, because you've given me, I'm, I'm on the ground, my feet are on the earth, and you've given me dominion and authority over the things in this world because you rule through me. So when I pray, I have an expectation. Can you say expectation, church? Don't you ever dare pray without an expectation. Because if you're praying without an expectation, you're praying without faith. Don't pray without faith because without faith it's impossible to please God. Amen? So Zechariah was, had been praying in faith and praying in faith so strongly that an angel of the Lord showed up to him while he was in the sanctuary. And he says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. I wonder what he was praying for. And you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many, and here's why. God never fills us with the Holy Spirit and then doesn't do something because of it. Purpose always follows the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes because men cannot do the will of God without the power of God. Man, if I was taking notes and if I was in your seat, I would be writing that down right now. Men can never do the will of God without the power of God. If you don't believe it, look at the law. They couldn't perform the law because they were weak in the flesh, right? But one named Jesus Christ came being filled with the Holy Spirit and fulfilled all of the law, right, on our behalf so that we might have righteousness just by believing on Jesus Christ. And he was the anointed one, one filled with the Holy Spirit. So now we're going to see why John was filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you need to say, you need to not only ask for God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, but you've got to say, God, you know why you want to fill me with the Holy Spirit. You know that you have a will and a purpose for my life that I cannot fulfill by myself. I need your anointing in my life to do what you made me for. You see, you don't need an anointing to do what you want to do, which is just a sin anyway, right? You need to be delivered from that carnal mind that makes you desire sin. And the way that we are delivered from the carnal mind that makes us desire sin is by being born again. Amen. We're giving a new heart, a new spirit, and a new mind. Let's keep going. We're talking about why John was filled with the Holy Spirit. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. 
Why would he need to be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth? Because you'll remember when Mary and Elizabeth got together that the baby in her womb leaped with joy. Didn't even see, didn't even have eyes to see, didn't know what was going on. But by the ministry and witness of the Holy Spirit that was in John the Baptist even before he was born, he recognized by the Spirit the Messiah was that close to him and he leaped in his mother's womb. That is why he needed to to be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. Let's continue. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. This is the why. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. Hallelujah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Do you think he could have done that by himself? No, this is why the Holy Spirit is so important, because we can't fulfill our godly purpose without him. Let's keep going. We're in the New Testament. We're learning something today about how the Holy Spirit comes upon men or women and empowers, empowers them. Let's get the women involved because so many people in, in, in modern times are trying to keep you women down. But the Lord rebuke every single one of them. I think the reason that a lot of men try to keep women down is because our women are so anointed and so filled with power in the presence of God and they make men feel weak and make them feel bad. So we we want you to just sit down, not we, they want you to just sit down and be quiet because when you speak, it proves they have no anointing and they have no power and they have no prayer life. So they want you to sit down and be quiet because you make them feel bad about their little, little ego. But mighty women of God, you rise up. You do everything God is calling you to do. You speak, you serve, you do all that God wants you to do because when God can't find a man, he'll use a woman, right? He will use you and you be ready to be used. And God has not given you women a spirit of timidity and fear and quietness. When God gets a hold of you, you better come out of that mouse outfit and put on a lion and then begin to declare the word of the Lord and be bold. And then you can chill again. There's a time to chill and there's a time to be bold. And the time to be bold is when the spirit of the Lord comes upon you. Don't you fight that thing. Don't you fight when the Lord gets a hold of you and wants to use you. Don't you fight against that. Because like the, the old prophet of old said, it was just like fire shut up in my bones. Like he had to let it out. He had to say something. So women, you be used of the Lord. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, and we see that the Holy Spirit empowers Mary to conceive the very Son of God. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, the angel Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, so not married yet, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored women. The Lord is with you. Men, can I get you to say this with me? Greetings, favored women. Of God. All right. Women, did you hear that? The men just greeted you. 
and we called you the favored women of God. So you're not just regular, ordinary women. You are favored women of God. Let's keep going here. Verse 29, confused and disturbed, because that might have confused you and disturbed you. You might not have ever had a man say that to you, but we call you favored. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. And I feel like sometimes, women, that's what you begin to do. You begin to overthink things, right? Don't overthink it. Just accept the truth as it's presented to you by the Lord. And the angel said, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Women, can you say, I have found favor, found favor. with God. Praise the Lord. Verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but, can, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, you ready? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. Man. And he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Where's Abby at? Where? The word of God will never fail, right? She's carrying a child right now. And um, she's, she, had, uh, she had a child, and then there's one uh, in heaven now that she gets to meet. How awesome is that? That you get to meet a child that you didn't meet on earth in heaven. But yet she kept believing for a child. And right now she is with child by the power of God. Amen. Can we give God praise for that miracle baby? And there's another baby growing over here as well. Let's keep this thing moving. All right. Verse 38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. Man, we got to come in agreement with that. Church, let's say this. I am, I am the, Lord's servant. the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. That's a powerful verse to quote. Because God has said some amazing things about his children. And we want to come into agreement with every single one of them. The next, thing, the next time we see the Holy Spirit moving and coming is when that he empowered the coming Messiah with the anointing for service. And this is a prophecy back in the Old Testament by the prophet Isaiah of how the Holy Spirit would empower the man Jesus Christ to fulfill the word and will of God. Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 2 say this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Church, let's say that. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Praise God. Now let's finish this. For the Lord has anointed me. See, Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit to do what? To, see, remember, always for a purpose. The Holy Spirit doesn't just come to hang out. The Holy Spirit comes for a purpose, right? So what was the purpose in which the Holy Spirit would come upon Jesus? To bring good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released. That's us. And prisoners will be free. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against his enemies. We see the Holy Spirit also playing the part of a co-witness. You see, when Jesus was baptized in water, it was, that wasn't his first time receiving the Holy Spirit. He was born with the Holy Spirit, just as John was, okay? But what the, but the reason, one of the main reasons that the Holy Spirit descended down upon a dove, like a dove upon uh, Jesus, was for this reason. Listen, then John testified, we're in John 1, 32 and 34. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. Who's the him? Jesus, the Christ. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. Praise the Lord. Now, Receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit is what we need to be ready to do. After salvation, we are eligible to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit because salvation in itself is a work of the Holy Spirit. We have to be drawn by the Holy Spirit into salvation. But then how do we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13 tell us this. So if you've been saved, but you haven't been empowered with the gifts of service, you haven't been baptized in fire, you don't notice a distinct division between who you were in the world and who you are now, you don't see the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in your life, then you need to do this one thing. Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13 say this. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for keep on seeking and you will find keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives everyone who seeks finds and to everyone who knocks the door will be open you fathers if your children ask for a fish do you give them a snake instead or if they ask for an egg kind of pricey now do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, perk up, listen up, faith arise, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we were taught back in the day that you had to come to the altar and tarry and, and ask for hours and spit and fall out and do all these kinds of things. And but because of God's grace and mercy, he still feels some of us that way. But all that really was required was the asking. I gave my life back to Jesus after I had dropped out of college at Ohio Northern. I ran off to Columbus and I said, you know what, I'll get myself together in Columbus. That's like the prodigal son saying, give me all my money and I'm going to get myself together. Really. So I fell into deeper sin in Columbus, right? And I finally grew tired 
uh, if, you're, if you're living in sin right now, I pray that you pray to grow tired. Pray to grow tired of sin. Say, so, you know what? I, I would look in the mirror at my drunk reflection and, you know, bare, tipsy and barely able to stand. And I would look into those deep eyes, those dark eyes, and I would say to myself, who are you? Like, what are you doing with your life? You see, oh, praise God. See, what's happening to those children downstairs? I'm the fruit of what's happening downstairs right now. You see, if you train up a child in the way that it should go, when it is old, it will not depart. So the whole time I was living in sin, I knew I was wrong. I knew there was better. But I finally got tired and said, Lord, there must be more than this. So I gave myself to the Lord. I, I repented of my sins and I began serving him. And then I ended up moving in with my sister, Belinda, in Columbus. And she gave me the bigger of the two bedrooms. She had a roommate move out. And in that bedroom she gave me was a walk-in closet. And I began to uh, read the Bible. And Isaiah 61, what I just read to you guys, it was, it was through that passage that he began to call me in the ministry. Because there was like a, there was no bookmark there. I didn't have that little cloth that hangs down. I don't know what that's called. This probably has some kind of cool name, that little piece of string that probably has some kind of official holy name, but I don't know what it is. Anyway, I didn't have that there. But every time I would open my Bible, it would open to Isaiah 61. And it says, for the spirit of the Lord God is upon you, for he has anointed you to preach good tidings. And I said, okay, God, you know, I didn't know what to do with this. But anyway, I began, I had heard about the Holy Spirit, and I knew I needed him. So I began going in, in my bedroom closet, and I would lay on the floor. And you know what I would do? Ask. I would lay on that floor in the, in the bedroom, and I would say, Lord, will you please fill me with your Holy Spirit? Lord, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And after having doing this for some time, he finally filled me with his Holy Spirit. And remember what I told you? He never fills you with his Holy Spirit unless there's a purpose involved. Church, can you say purpose? purpose. After he filled me with the Holy Spirit, he spoke to me and he said, I want you to now move back to Lima and help your dad at the church not knowing that one day I would pastor the church. But the Holy Spirit has done this thing. I have no Bible college. I have no regular college. Uh, I told you I've been arrested before, committed just about every sin there is. But when God washes you with the blood of Jesus Christ and gives you his righteousness... It's as if you have never committed any sin in your entire life. He makes a totally new being out of a person. And he doesn't leave that new being empty. He fills that new being with himself. And he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite Kimberly to come back at this time. I've got more, but I'm going to tie that in to next week's message. I would like everyone to please stand right now. And I believe that by the power of God, that he made many of you in this room for a purpose. And some of you have been lagging. Some of you have been lacking. Some of you have been backsliding 
You've been still entertaining sinful ideas and ideologies. You still got a hunger for this world. Yes, God saved you, and that's enough to get to where he is to bring them, to, 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 to give you peace with the Father. But you, you got to recognize something, that if God didn't save you and immediately bring you to heaven, then there's purpose. Church, can you say purpose? If God didn't save you, and then at the moment you got saved, you didn't drop dead and go to heaven, then you're still alive for a purpose. And in order to fulfill that purpose, you need, just like Gideon had, the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Just like Moses in the 70, the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Just like John the Baptist, just like Mary, just like Jesus, you need the Holy Spirit to come upon you. But you've got to make room for the Holy Spirit. And how do we do that? We get rid of our fear. Some people are afraid of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid to let go because all he's saving you from is yourself. Don't be afraid of the gifts. Although you might not understand every gift of the Holy Spirit, that's okay. Still take the gift of the Holy Spirit. I need to say that again. Just because you don't understand every gift of the Holy Spirit, still please receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is a gift that empowers you for service. The message series is entitled Exercising Authority. Now, God, outside of this earth, has total dominion and authority over all angels and demons and everything above the earth and under the earth, okay? But then Jesus came and entered in through the bloodline of humanity so that men would also be able to reign upon this earth over both natural and supernatural entities. So it is through Jesus Christ and the power power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to now exercise the authority in which God has given man. Adam had it just for a little while, but the plan was never to use Adam because for the, before the foundation of the world, he chose us in Jesus Christ to be his children and his saints and his kings and his priests. So Adam did what Adam was going to do anyway, but God God was not without another plan. And that plan was a name, a man named Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he came after the power of the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and fathered that child. He was born. Ah, he was not born in a palace. He was not born in a kingly castle. He was born in a stable, in a manger. He came for a lowly birth. But yet he was still the appointed one. He was still the one the angels sang over. He is still Emmanuel, God with us. He is still the God and King of heaven who came down and put on the skin of a man. And then we see that as he walked this earth, he grew in wisdom and in favor and in stature with both man and God. 
We see this man, Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, do things that nobody had ever done before. No man born blind had ever received his sight again until Jesus, with the power of the Holy Spirit, prayed for the blind man and his eyes were open. Jesus, after Lazarus had been dead for three days in the grave and he stunk, Jesus, also named the resurrection by the power of God, he said, Lazarus, come forth. Who is this God that can command the dead to come back to life? He is the one that is filled with the Spirit of God. He is the one that has the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to demonstrate the power and authority of God on earth, but he didn't just keep it for himself. He said, it's necessary that I go away. Because if I do not go away, I cannot send back the comforter. So the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead shall also quicken our mortal bodies on the day that the trumpet sounds. We will rise from the grave as well. But in the meantime, we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to exercise authority in this earth. So just as the demons trembled at the feet in the name of Jesus, they tremble at the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of us. Just as Jesus could go and lay hands upon the sick, hallelujah, and they would recover, he's given us of the same power and of the same spirit that we might lay hands upon the sick and they recover. Why? Not because of who we are, but because of greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this moment while Jesus Christ has been preached in this place. We invite you in this moment to overwhelm those who ask. If you want the Holy Spirit today and you feel as if or you know that you do not have the baptism quite yet or maybe you're not sure, at a minimum, at a minimum if you are saved, you can ask. So all across this church and all to those listening online, whether you hear this today or some other point in history, I want you to know that if you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, then all you have to do to receive the Holy Spirit is just to ask. But when you ask, you cannot waver in faith. You've got to ask like a child asking for bread. You've got to know that your Father is good and he will give you what you ask for. Now, faith come now in Jesus' name. Lord, we need the faith to receive the Holy Spirit this morning. May faith arise in this place and may fear and doubt and shame, may it be removed from our midst now in Jesus' name. Could you all, could you all put your hands out like you're going to receive something? Those that desire to, 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 to show enough know.
that the Holy Spirit is in you and belongs to you and you belong to him, I want you to just put your hands out and you're about to ask for a gift that God promised to give those who ask. And you know what? If he doesn't come in this ask, do you know what I want you to do? I want you to keep on asking and keep on asking and keep on asking and say, God, you promised that all I had to do was ask for your Holy Spirit and that you would give it to me. So, Father, I ask that you would sanctify everyone in this room right now. If anyone is living in sin, God, and they desire to repent, let them repent right now. If you're a sinner and you need to repent, just pray right now. Say, Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins. Jesus, I receive you. Hallelujah. I receive you as my Savior. Jesus, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you are Lord. Jesus, wash me with your blood. Jesus, I need you to be my Savior. Jesus, I want to be yours. Jesus, you are my brother. I am also desiring to be a child of God. And now by faith, I believe that I have been born again simply by putting my faith in Jesus Christ. I am a believer. I am a blood washed child of God because I have believed on the son who takes away the sins of the world. I am a Christian now. I am a Christian now. But Father, now that you've given me my new identity in Christ, now that you love me enough to save me, by faith, I'm going to ask for the power to fulfill my purpose. And the only way that we can have the power to fulfill our purpose is that if you clothe us with your Holy Spirit. John said, I baptize people in water for the repentance of sins, but there is one that comes after me that is greater, and I am not worthy to even tie his shoe, and he will baptize you in fire. So, Father, we want the baptism of fire, and we're about to ask for it. We're about to simply ask, simply ask. We're going to simply ask. We're going to keep it simple. You said all we have to do is ask. So in these moments, church, I want you to know that you have an open line to heaven right now. I want you to know that everything you pray will be heard right now. And there's one prayer. There's just one prayer that's about to leave our lips. There's just one prayer that's about to leave this sanctuary. There's just one prayer that's about to be heard in heaven. And we're going to ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us and baptize us with fire and set us apart for the purpose in which God has created us. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Go ahead now. Pray. Pray now. Ask like a child. Ask. Ask like a child. Ask with the faith of a child. You promised to fill us to give us the Holy Spirit to all who ask to all who ask to all who ask
you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fall in this place. Just as they were gathered together in the upper room, and the sound of a mighty wind, rushing wind, filled the place where they were, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. exercising of your faith if you've already asked here is the next step remember we keep it simple the next step so if a father if a son asks his father for bread and the father gives him the bread the next thing out of the son's mouth should be what thank you thank you now just begin to thank, oh, hallelujah. Just begin to thank the Lord for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let thanksgiving just begin to flood this place. Begin to thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. It's a knowing. It's faith. You're not going to feel different. It's not a feeling. It's faith, faith to believe that he's given you the Holy Spirit in which you have asked for. Now just begin to thank him. Just begin to thank him. Oh God, we thank you. Listen, church, listen, church. We didn't just pray for a feeling. We prayed for a filling. We didn't pray for a feeling. I'm not asking you to expect to feel something. I said that we're praying for a filling. So what do you want him to feel? Say, Lord, I give you all of me. Lord, I give you all of me. Lord, I give you all of me. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Tell him to fill you. How much Holy Spirit do you want? Say, fill me, Lord. The word of God says, be not drunk with wine, which is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, church. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that this assembly would be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name by faith. Fill us with your Holy Spirit by faith. Spirit of truth, we welcome you. We welcome you. Lead us and guide us. Lead us and guide us in the all truth. Say this with me, church. Holy Spirit, lead and guide me into all truth. Holy Spirit, convict me of sin and righteousness. Everyone put your hand on your stomach, please. Those that just believe that you were filled with his spirit. And I want you to pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, stir up within me your gifts that I might serve you with power, 
signs and wonders that I might be a witness in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's praise God for a little while.